It's been almost a week since 59 people were murdered and over 500 injured at a country music festival in Las Vegas, and we still don't know very many details about how it actually went down to the background of the person they say did it. In fact, the only thing we actually know for sure is that regardless of how terrible the situation is, the media will always, always put pushing a political agenda above reporting the truth. You're listening to the Propaganda Report. I'm here with Monica Perez. Monica, I know you have some unique thoughts about what happened in Las Vegas. Normally, I hear reports of stuff like this, and I know that what the government tells me and what the media tells me may or may not be the truth. So I really never know if anybody died, how many people died, how many people killed them, any of it. I just don't know. So at this, with this one, I wasn't even going to try to figure it out. There are so, when you do try to figure it out, like if uh, there have been a few, like the Boston Marathon bombing or Sandy Hook or Orlando, where you can actually see weird videotapes that make you feel like these things are out-and-out hoaxes, like the girl whose dad was an actor and was hyperventilating to make himself cry. I don't know if you know that from Sandy Hook. If you've seen that, Robbie Parker. If not, yeah, I've seen it, that. you know, it's there. I mean, they, they scrubbed a bad campaign ad about Rick Perry when he was running for president. You could not find it on YouTube. People say that Michelle Obama did say that whitey thing, but it's scrubbed from YouTube. Yet Robbie Parker faking his press conference is all over YouTube. So now I'm starting to think I had like an insight, which is my, my husband does his company has uh, business deals with the arena where this happened out in Vegas. So he knows people who work there. And some of those people, I mean, the reports he's gotten back was one woman who worked there got killed. Another gal, her brother got killed. Another guy was shot in the back but didn't die. Another friend knows a doctor who was in or another person who works there who my husband knows, knows a doctor in Vegas who saw them. He said that anybody who got shot in the head died. So these, these are the reports I'm getting into my house. And I believe that they're true, that this really happened. But you, but a website I really like, Global Research, their article on this started with, this could be a hoax. Another website I am just got turned on to, Hoax Busters Call. They had a video that said, I'm not sure anybody even got hurt. And, uh... And, and this is a, an event I do not believe is a hoax, yet some trusted sources, or at least you know, not totally untrusted sources, are open to that idea. And I started to realize that it's possible the hoax stuff gets floated out there so that people like me who do not believe the official narrative, the scare narrative, so say 80% of the people believe the official narrative and, and understand how this is a precursor to gun control, they don't think it's a false flag or a hoax or anything, it's working on them. But there are 20% of the people who don't know what to think and want to can't figure out if it's a false flag or a hoax or what. It's much better if those people think it's a hoax. Because when I think it's a hoax, I don't worry about it too much. But this one... I don't think it was a hoax. I think it was – I don't think this guy who was supposedly did it, a 64-year-old drunk grandpa, uh, single-handedly with 23 guns for some reason, blew out two of his hotel room windows for some reason, and uh, handled those kind of weapons with this kind of speed and all that kind of stuff. I just – I don't think this is 
I don't believe the official narrative, and we'll never know because he killed himself, supposedly, and there's not going to be a trial. Well, the, you're, so we're not we shouldn't know. believe the official narrative because it keeps changing, and they keep ignoring the changes like they didn't happen, and they just continue to push the agenda items instead of actually pointing out all the, and you know, all the contradictions that they've reported. Yeah. So, yes, and let's get into that. But I want to just, in conclusion, say so now. So I don't think that guy did it. Yet the government and the media is treating it like you're saying, not they're not actually obviously they're covering it up or taking marching orders or whatever. They're not trying to get us the truth. So I have to assume that they were complicit or they did it, you know, that our government did it. I don't know. But now I'm mad. Yeah. Because the people really died. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I you can if you if I have one thread of like they wouldn't do it. We've had this conversation on the air before. And the podcast before, like, I'm like, yeah, I think it was a hoax. I'm not too worried about it. You're like, I don't know. So now uh, I absolutely do not think this is a hoax. I think real people died. And uh, and now I'm just, I'm enraged because the reason for this event, if it is a false flag, is there there's I think there are probably four reasons we don't have to get into them all but of course and that's what one, I have also oh yeah. that's funny <laughs> is that there's gun control so so here's the thing what they are actually they're actually killing people this is my premise right they're actually killing people for gun control which means they're psychos and the gun control of course just disarms us so this is this pathological government who will kill its own people to get their guns away. Gun control does not disarm criminals. It does not disarm the government. It only disarms law-abiding citizens who want to defend their rights. And and I've, like, reached this new level of fear over that because, and I don't think I'm being set up for this heightened fear, uh, and we can talk about that later, but I feel like that if they're going to these lengths to get the guns away, there is a... Uh, there is, that they would kill people for it, that it's really super dangerous to not have guns to defend yourself against them. You understand so what I'm saying? saying? It's it's yeah. a little it's a little nuanced, but I just thought, well, they like gun control because they want power and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay. So you think guns actually can have an effect is what you're saying because you used to think that – Well, that – that yeah. well, actually what I think if you want to peel the onion one more layer – there, even the NRA is for this, like uh, banning bumpers or whatever that thing yeah. is called. That we're stocked. So, so here's something interesting about the whole thing is that I actually think they want you to have small firearms, so that like they they did in Hungary and they did in Iraq, they can provoke an uprising, and get you out there with your little guns and mow you down. But they don't want you to actually have a fighting chance. That's why all they care about. It's like military stuff, assaults, anything that could give you a fighting chance against the government, which is what our guns are really for, in my opinion, is a checks and balances towards this the government system we acquiesce to. We want to make sure we retain our rights because we're actually empowering the government based on these very serious rights of self-defense. The only justification for violence, we have delegated that to a government they're seriously, you have to have a defense against that. You have to be able to keep the government in check. So you, the weapons you need have to be weapons that are as good as theirs. And we need to trust each other with these weapons. They clearly don't want us to have the weapons. And look at the lengths they're going to. So I think they want us to have the little stuff to keep us happy and to keep us uh, reckless and vulnerable. 
but and I think the NRA is maybe they're in on it. Maybe they just know that if you take away the stuff that makes one gun really effective, you need more guns. And that's good for the industry. If everybody has a six shooter, you know, you need, you know, a big pile of them all fully loaded already, you know. But if you have, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's it's an interesting better for angle, them. Yeah. yeah. So it's better for them to have the to make sure people feel that they have to stockpile. But there, it's hopeless. You know, it's, it is hopeless if you don't have, if you can't match the firepower. So those are a couple of my, I could obviously go on for like three <laughs> hours. So I'm going to, I'll breathe and you talk. Well, I think everybody probably knows what happened by now. But the official story, the fluctuating official story is that this guy named Stephen Paddock, I guess that's how you say Paddock. his name. He had like 30-some guns up in some hotel in Las Vegas, and he broke out the windows and mowed down people with rifles that he modified himself to turn into some sort of automatic automatic weapons. And there's his background is real kind of mysterious, so to speak. He had no criminal record. He apparently was a gambler, an accountant, a millionaire. His dad was on the FBI's most wanted list. I know that was a story that was out there, but— yeah, his dad. Oh, I missed that. In the Gosh, 70s. I meant to bone up on all the details, but I just got carried away. There's so many details. It's hard to yeah. keep up with this story. But they barely mentioned his dad like the first day after it happened. Then they didn't say anything else about it. But, you know, whether we like it or not, our parents very much influence who we are, not even just genetically, but, you know, the way that they raise us, what where what we model our behavior after during our first like three to five years, especially. So his dad was on the FBI's most wanted list, like longer than almost anybody else. He was on it for like eight years. Really? Because he, yeah, he was a confidence man. He was a con artist, oh. a, a bank robber, and he got arrested and he broke out of jail and went and lived in some town under a fake name for like eight years. And everybody in the town loved the guy. He was a master of deception. <laughs> Oh, yeah, those comments. It's like what we've talked about before, the pathological liar. Exactly. You just can't. You don't expect it. It's so rare. Outside of Washington, D.C., I would say it's not the norm. It's so rare that you you just fall for it. Right. And this guy's father was uh, brilliant at it. And his brother is definitely full of it. So I he- told you that my 12-year-old came home saying – is this Vegas thing real? And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. I've created a monster. <laughs> he just got a phone this year. And he's like, I saw a video of his brother clearly lying. So, obviously, oh, nice. I mean, clearly, he's like, you have to see it. It'll make you laugh. I was like, I don't think we should be laughing. It's like, well, his it's brother's laughable. laughing. It's his bad. brother was laughing in the video. Yeah, and he's saying Within an hour of this thing too. happening. You know, like, if well, I, I have had deaths in my family recently, and... Even stuff that's kind of expected, kind of within the realm of normalcy. When you get that call that somebody's dead, you just, you know, I couldn't drive. You know what I mean? Like, I just had to, I was really shaken up. If the call was, (laughs) the guy, your brother's dead, and he just shot 500 people, killed 50, and, and you're like, wow, I would never have expected it from this guy, you would be reeling you wouldn't be chuckling outside your house like gee whiz guys i don't know let's brainstorm here anyone you you in the back you know it's like what (laughs) you know he's clearly lying and you're right he (laughs) has no authenticity to him at all right and when you read about his dad it kind of makes sense in that oh interesting but he should be better at it 
Well, he's the youngest son, right? right. So his dad wasn't oh, around as much so when he was there. The oldest son, this guy, he was seven when his dad first got arrested. And, you know, first three to five years, those are the formidable years when those yeah. impressions of the people around you really sink in. His brother, I don't know how much younger he is than him, but I think he's a good bit younger than him. I think he was just a baby. So there is a background there of him being good at deception. I don't know what other influences you father might have on him. I have a theory about what the brother said and why, but do you think that Stephen Paddock, the alleged shooter, is actually not dead and is just running a con as the patsy for these guys and is on the lam? In any case, they, when they do have a patsy, they end up killing him. So even if he yeah. made that deal, he is probably dead. I have no idea. I, I, he could very well be alive and be in on it. You know, you saw that picture they showed. They only showed the guy's feet. Here's here's evidence he's dead. Here's his feet. <laughs> no, I didn't. But they, I really think they're inserting mysterious stuff on purpose for various reasons. But one thing, you and other people, like, all simultaneously sent me this chick saying, this woman, a short five-footer, told me everybody was going to die. That video you sent me, which other people might have seen, immediately I thought, first of all, it was a strange turn of phrase, which makes me wonder if this chick... You know, I don't get that. And then if I get the same kind of deep, mysterious thing for more than one person in like a minute, I think, okay, somebody just pushed this out. And I wondered why. And then we saw the YouTube, that YouTube has decided to suppress conspiracy theories because they're so dangerous. Yeah. This, did I just not make a complete non sequitur? No, YouTube tried to. This is this is the narrative. YouTube tried to suppress conspiracy theories and they failed. Facebook tried and they failed. Twitter with their algorithm tried to stop fake news and they failed. They all failed to stop the fake news that rose to the top after this event. So something must be done. If they can't take care of it themselves, then I guess we're going to have to find another way to stop the fake news. Trey Gowdy is talking. Uh, is talking about how there's a second shooter and whatever. So obviously this, and that was the example that the Wall Street Journal article used as being a debunked conspiracy theory when, in my mind, obviously one guy did not do this. But uh, that, so, so they're saying that's debunked. And my feeling is Trey Gowdy kind of plays in to say, hey, man, our lawmakers are getting fake news at this point. Like nobody's safe. We really have to control it. It's not, it's harmless if it's just you, but these people are making decisions based on that stuff. Well, somebody was getting his life threatened based on the fake news. This was one of the stories. The fake news once again has real consequences because a picture of somebody who didn't do it was circulating around and went viral. So suddenly he's getting death threats. Oh yeah. That's, I think, uh, that's popped up before, but can I tell you why I think the the brother and other people are coming out with and the girlfriend come out with, he was a regular guy, a gun owner who didn't break any laws. He didn't send any warning signs. You want to know what my theory is behind this? Yes. So this guy, he just, he's, he had, and the brother says dismissively, oh, he had a gun or two. He was just a regular guy. And uh, and you could never have told. And he's a rich guy, and he's this guy, blah blah. So the message that you get is, you can try see something, say something, but it's not going to work. You can try mental health checks, but it's not going to work. You you can try keeping up on people stockpiling weapons, even though that's another thing. Why he needed twenty three guns makes no sense to me. Uh, but 
he he bought the guns in different states. So that addresses the question of why don't you just use states to do gun laws because they're entitled to do gun laws. The federal government really isn't. But this justifies it because, well, he one state didn't know that he was stockpiling because he went to like five different states. The only way to control all this is to coordinate it under federal laws that apply to the states. And, and everybody must be controlled because even a regular guy, a rich guy with no apparent motive, no warning signs. Even he can snap. So we really just need to control the guns because you can't control the people, which is all bull because there was this Harvard study, a great Harvard study on um, how gun control does not reduce the murder rate in this country. In any case, great Harvard study. I tweeted it at Monica Perez show recently. And they what they say is uh, that just about nobody start their first crime is killing someone with a gun that it's very clear is very predictable the gun killing people with guns in the commission of a crime is the end of the line it's a it's a hardened criminal it's almost unheard of that a guy with no criminal record picks up a gun and commits crime with it i right. just don't believe there's no you know, that, that that a regular person turns around overnight, everyone who's super close to him, never saw him shoot a gun, and this is what he does? I just don't believe yeah. it. The Adam Lanza yeah. story was more believable, where he was in hole up in his basement, he just played video games, and his mom was a gun. You know, at least that made sense. Now they want it to not make sense, because if it makes sense, you can see the warning signs and you still feel safe. It's only when it makes no sense whatsoever do people really feel terrified. I go to a lot of concerts. Finally, I'm like, wow, even if it is the government, we're not safe. There was another item that I thought was very significant. I had kind of waited for uh, two things. One is Chuck Schumer came out today, and I just heard a quick clip on the radio of him saying, we just want this bump stock ban. We just want a reasonable, moderate gun law. And for me, that is the very definition of incrementalism, which is just little by little, they take it all. And it just, it's a wedge, you know, it's a wedge that opens a door. And these, these uh, laws are being touted by Feinstein and Schumer. And I believe I heard Pelosi also. And here's the thing is that Trump already opened the door, set a precedent for sitting down with the Democrats, going behind the GOP's back and just signing off on something without caring at all what people think or any of that. And I, of course, always think this stuff is a setup from the beginning. And in this case, generally, I would say almost everything has multitasking. There's numerous agenda items at work. In, but there's also another way where if there is a really important agenda item that's almost impossible to get through, they will sacrifice everything. They will do something big just to get it. So the real purpose, in my opinion, of Obama's presidency, at least at the get-go, they were willing to sacrifice him to a one-term, anything they had to do to get Obamacare passed, to get socialized medicine a foot in the door. They did not care. And I feel like if Trump's presidency accomplishes only one thing for the globalists, some 
encroachment on gun rights, especially by a Republican, would be the thing. It could be the entire purpose of his presidency. I don't think it is, but it could be. And it reminds me of what a caller said, that a Democrat will never take your guns. It'll take a Republican to do that because the right will be kind of blindsided, dumbfounded. The incrementalism will let it happen. And it made me coin this term, the uh, contrary law of democracy, where you get the opposite of what you vote for because it, it takes because you're on your guard against the other guy doing it. So if a Democrat tries to do gun control, everybody goes bananas. But if if a Republican passes a big infrastructure bill or uh, some incremental gun thing or immigration, like Reagan did, got several gun control uh, initiatives happened under Reagan. He also had an amnesty, an immigration amnesty. Uh, so I just think there's uh, that... I'm waiting to see Trump cut a deal with these guys. I don't know how it's going to unfold, but I think within that Trump is going to be, there's going to be some gun control legislation under Trump for sure. Yeah. And when people are presented with an idea for something like that, they're a lot more willing to listen and go along with it when it comes from somebody that they identify with. Which is why the cult of personality for Trump is so important. He never talks about principles. And I always said that he never talks about the Bill of Rights and he gets attacked by the media all the time. So the people who are just diehard Trump fans, they don't all they do is defend him knee jerk because he's so attacked all the time, all the time. They stop listening to the issue. They just default, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt. And that also works in the favor of something like this, which clearly violates principles. But it does happen. Katrina, for example, under Bush, a lot of people were disarmed during Katrina. And they just looked at each other and thought, I can't believe I just got my guns taken away. I said, you know, I used to say, you can pry it out of my cold, dead hands. And I'm standing here and, you know, it's in my hand. (laughs) Not my gun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Another part of it is that they're conditioning the public to think that it is actually a good idea to have these these gun control. I, I think there's a lot of people that won't ever come around to it. I think that it also goes to what you talk about, like that. The circle of consent, or what do you call that thing? The spiral of silence. Yeah. It, it's a related idea that they don't actually have to agree. They just have to believe that they're – so the Republicans come out and say, I'm in favor of this. Your country singer said it. Trump says it. The NRA says it. And they think – you said not everybody has to come around. Some people will come around. No one needs to come around. With Obamacare, nobody really came around, but they did it, and they said that people liked it. But I don't believe anybody liked. You know, I don't think anybody changed sides on it. I really yeah. do not. I think it's a related concept where you just they get you to think that everybody thinks that, and it's not so much that you won't speak out against it, but you just believe that it's fifty one forty nine instead of seventy five twenty five. Or 53, 40, you know, in the other, 51, 49 in the other way. You know what I mean? It could be 51% of the people are still in favor of uh, gun rights, but you just, 
you just think, well, this is democracy and if 51% of the people, and I guess some people switch sides. So Yeah. When it comes to the spiral of silence, it's going to be even more. They're, they're going to need to believe that it's like 75, 25 so that they fear even speaking up. So that they fear they're going to get shamed if they speak up. And if you watch all of the shows the day after this happened, the first thing they did, nobody's like, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's figure out what actually happened. Right. The first thing they did was shame anybody who did not think that gun control was something that needed to, needed to happen right now. Colbert did it. Kimmel did it. Tapper did it. Everybody you saw yeah. did it. So that gives the impression, because it's television, that uh, everybody believes that, even though this is just a very small percentage of the population that's represented on TV. You know, I... The only time, the only time, and it was not somebody who worked at a WSB, it was just an outside guy uh, who was giving me advice when Sandy Hook happened. He was a liberal, and he said, I know you're a libertarian, but this is not the time to defend gun rights. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> <laughs> and I never talked to him again. But that was the only time anyone ever told me tried to affect the content which is just it's interesting to me that i really never get that but that was but i saw that what usually happened was you'll really get lambasted if you say that that's what they've been doing all week lambasting anyone who doesn't thoughtlessly agree with their thoughts on gun control indivisible the commie front that powers the anti-trump resistance movement held a facebook live the day after the shooting where they, you know, they hold these Facebook lives where they just propagandize their followers and then they, you know, call them to action to go put themselves at risk while they sit at home and do nothing. They held one of those again the day after. And they didn't focus on, you know, talking about the victims or empathizing with them or anything. They they focused on using fear appeals to make their followers think it's going to get even worse if they don't do something right now. And they made them they basically told them that Republicans and anybody who isn't on board with gun legislation is a murderer. Let me play the clip for you. Only in America do we live where the phrase just another mass shooting is part of our vocabulary. We have to decide as a country, is this a time where we are okay to uh, stand by as the gun lobbies, dangerous guns everywhere for anyone, no questions asked agenda becomes our every day? Or do we choose to fight against that and fight for common sense gun laws? They also need to be making sure that this dangerous legislation, this provision that would make it easier for people to access silencers that could spread more death and destruction beyond even what we saw in Vegas when people can't hear gunfire and they're not able to respond and protect each other or flee from the violence. Um, we want to make sure that that's what we're acting on, these real solutions. If you've got a member of Congress who's fighting hard to make it easier for people to commit mass atrocities like we saw this week, they need to be voted out of office. I have to address her opening line. I have written, I wrote down, it's like the second bullet point that I have on my uh, thoughts was I saw in the Wall Street Journal a graphic that shows this massive surge in these events since 2010 for absolutely there's no reason whatsoever for this to be happening. And then I have written, why doesn't this stuff happen in Switzerland where everyone is armed to the teeth and it's white guys who do it and Switzerland's full of white guys, right? In Mexico, where despite a total gun ban, 10,000 drug-related gun deaths per year occur, or in Canada, 
which regardless of their gun laws, because Mexico supposedly gets their guns from us, our gun flagrancy is apparently Mexico's gun problem. So why isn't this happening in Canada where they have the same demographics as we do? Basically, they have the same kind of border problem, regardless of their gun laws. If Mexico is a de facto has our gun laxness, so should Canada. Why uh, they should have the same kind of crazies in Canada as we have. This is just statistically anomalous, and it's not only in America, but it is uncorrelated. You've got to do the research. The Harvard study makes it very clear it is not. They don't want anybody doing research. That's exactly why they're saying insane things like if your congressperson is working very hard to try and make it easier to commit mass atrocities, then they don't need to be in office. I mean that is an intense provocation right there. Think about it. What if somebody really believes that, that their congressperson is working hard to make it easier to commit mass atrocities? That person is going to justify in their mind doing anything to stop their congressperson at all costs. All right, this next clip is laughable. It's from the same Facebook Live, and it shows you that regardless of what the circumstances are, they always stay in touch with their central underlying theme of Trump is a dangerous racist and we're all going to die because of him. Everything that Trump does, we have to ask ourselves, what would a white supremacist do? And we can assume that that's what Trump is going to do. And I think we've seen in this moment that the way that Trump and the U.S. government has responded to this sort of tragedy is so markedly different than it may have been if the person perpetrating violence may have been a person of color. We're preparing right now a resource that keeps a running list of the Trump threat level, essentially. We see Trump himself as a security threat. WWA. WSD. What would a white supremacist do? What is a white supremacist in that chick's mind? Probably a white person with a gun. If everybody had guns, that's what I try to tell people like in Europe and stuff. The the they have tons of street crime in these places. A lot of rape, like in India, there's a lot of rape. I try to tell people if everybody had guns, this stuff would just stop. The the statistics are there. When we when we have even waiting lists uh, make violence increase. Somebody goes to get a gun because they, they're in fear of their lives and they're on a waiting list, so then they get killed. Yeah. I mean, anyway, this is also a dialectic. They alternate yeah. who's getting attacked. So in Orlando, it was gay people. Here, it's white Republicans. So like every every segment of the population is a victim of gun violence and nobody. So it'll be that you can't unite people against uh, uh, behind anything, but this will unite people just like infrastructure. Yeah. Another part of that clip that stood out to me was the Trump threat level. The idea that Trump is a national security threat. You and I have talked about this before, that if they can convince their followers that the president is the biggest threat to national security, then they can justify reaching outside the United States for police protection to maybe the U.N. Yeah, they they were talking about having the U.N. blue helmets, and and actually that dovetails with Trump's U.N. speech and Nikki Haley ahead of time saying she kind of revealed that they really want those U.N. blue helmets to shoot straight to really be an effective fighting force. And I'm like, dude, I don't want that. But then there's this really weird down the rabbit hole thing is that the report from Iron Mountain talks about how you can use 
a world government, an international police force to get the population behind your own police state so that like, well, we, we, now we have to have a police state because we're afraid of the blue helmets. Like there's no winning. I'm just, (laughs) you're done. I'm ready to give up. I really am ready to give up. Like I, after I heard this stuff, uh, and I've just been listening to some really heady podcasts that probably will never have any commercial value whatsoever, but just how ultimately even the libertarian stuff is. And I, I realize this, that, you know, when people get really impractical, I'm not, I'm impractical. I'm totally theoretical. I'm ideological. I'm philosophical, all that kind of stuff. But if you don't notice that the liberty movement emphasizes like the Fox or the Cato or the reason emphasizes the stuff that promotes <laughs> really cheap labor for mega corporations and trade, you know, so-called free trade for, for mega corporations, all that kind of stuff. They always focus on that and they don't focus on, uh, on the, on the whole, ideology like you have to get rid of labor laws you know you have to get rid of um welfare and regulations and barriers to entry and and uh and government contracts and and all this complicated tax code all the stuff that keeps mom and pop entrepreneurship from ever competing in the real market they never talk about how to get rid of the barriers to entry that would help the little guy they never even talk about that stuff so I just started suppressing me that now I feel like it's just hopeless. Even the Liberty movement, which I love has, uh, you know, as soon as it it gets big enough to make a difference, Coke buys it. And they did like the Coke brothers infiltrated Cato and reason. And of course, reason is now on Fox news. I mean, as soon as you, you get critical mass, you get infiltrated. Exactly. What do you do? How do you, how do you fight the power if any organization of size is is uh, corrupted? Like, I just don't even understand. I mean, I, I'm, that's why I'm getting disgusted. And now they're killing people like this. I can't I can't take it. Hmm. Is that why you're going to Mexico tonight before a hurricane hits it? Dude, yeah. So we have a birthday party, big, a friend's big birthday party in Mexico. Like, it's not a big party. It's just his birthday is a big number. So we're going down there and there's a hurricane coming and instead of most people just cancel their trip when their flight gets canceled, we're, we're rushing down there to get in there before the storm completely socks us in. And I just feel like being trapped in the hotel bar for 72 hours with like 20 Texans is not going to be good for my liver. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fun though. It might be fun. I'll, I'll report to you what I remember. (laughs) I'm sure you'll come back with a good story. That's probably the perfect crowd to promote the show as well. Oh, I'm sure that they're they're gonna uh, they're probably preppers. <laughs> they'll probably yeah. be they have their bug out bag, like beat you here. <laughs> right? Yeah, they'll have no problem. They'll all have cars that are like tanks, bulletproof, <laughs> hurricane proof. Right, amphibious vehicles. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, I want to tell you about another story that I saw, or a couple of stories actually about what they're going to do now to try and prevent this type of attack that happened in Las Vegas from happening again, especially at outdoor venues for concerts and stuff. I saw an article in the AJC where they are talking about having drones 
and having helicopters that have snipers in them who have been trained from the air. Can you imagine trying to have a good time at a concert when there's drones flying around in the air and helicopters hovering above you with snipers hanging out of them? That's not how they'll do it. They'll they'll dress the drones up like Pink Floyd's pig. They'll make it oh, fun. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here, Aldous Huxley, isn't he the one who's like, hey, man, you don't want the boot stamping on a neck forever. You want Soma. It'll be naked chicks, the drones. Yeah, naked chicks. And <laughs> you'll look up their thing, and the thing will be looking back at you. Yeah, that'll make it a lot easier for that facial recognition as well with people just staring at it. Um, All right, I know you had another – you had something else you wanted to talk about, right? Can we talk about the – there's one bigger picture idea I wanted to get out there, but I also want to talk about Chertoff security stuff. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You want to hear? So my big picture thing is they – you see how other – other countries have, like, they confiscated the guns in Australia. Other countries don't have guns. And when you talk to people from those other countries, they say, see, we, we lost our guns and everything's fine. And my answer is, in order to have this, like, world totalitarianism, you need your police state in, in line. You need to get people's guns. And you need to have your total information state in place, surveillance and censorship and total information control. And total, like, weapons control. Police have it all, and you have nothing. They need it all like that. If they if they start demonstrating to you the level of surveillance capability they have or propaganda or police state or any of that before they get the guns away or before other elements of this totalitarian state are, are in place, then you'll use those what's re, you know your political power whatever that power is to resist that's remaining whether it's organization through information or keeping your guns or whatever they can't they, that's why when you see all those red light cameras you don't get a ticket every single time you run a red light they do not let you know how closely you're being surveilled they i feel like the totalitarian state they they have to put all the pieces until it's entirely turnkey ready, and they won't turn the key until all the pieces are like that. So that's why maybe the gun thing is is last. And then similarly, kind of analogously, they can't do it in one place without all the other places. So the United States, let's say, is the last resort with the last ones with guns. So when they took Australia's guns, if they then went around and started cracking heads and throwing people in jail for political speech, Americans would fight to the death over their guns. And they would know that they they needed the kind of guns that fought the government. They wouldn't buy any of this stuff that suppresses rapid fire because that's what they're after. They don't want you to be able to be a match for them. So they have to do it all over the world. It's like the way Mark said, you have to do the whole world at once. You know, they have to, you have to, um, you know, the entire labor class needs to take over at once or there'll still be a fighting chance for capital, whatever. So I feel like the entire thing has to be turnkey ready in every element of the totalitarian state and in every place. And that's, and then I'm starting to worry because Trump might be that guy, you know, Trump might be the one, because as I said before, it'll take a Republican because if it's a Democrat, you'll be too on your, on your toes about it. Yeah. There's an example of what you just described in that book that I have, the organizational weapon, Bolshevik strategies and tactics. 
the communists, I can't remember what country it was, but they described how the communists, they couldn't take a direct approach to gaining political power because people would reject them. So they, they used the indirect approach and they did it under the cover of democracy. And then what appeared to be democratic all of a sudden was no longer democratic once they co-opted everything and they just unveiled it all at one time. I'll have to look and see what country that was and what year that, that happened in, but it is exactly what you just described. It's oh, just yeah. That, that I didn't make that connection, but that sounds familiar. I think maybe I saw an interview or something. Maybe you mentioned that before. Yeah, I never made the connection like that, but that's what I, I've been thinking. And uh, so let me just say the four things that I thought were the objectives. I think we covered most of them, but one of them is that Chertoff thing. So gun control, obviously, is one of the objectives of this Vegas thing. Uh, suppressing conspiracy theories, the YouTube uh, tweaking search results, more surveillance, as you said, the drones. That's a great, a great one. I didn't catch the angle when I made that note to myself. But the the fourth thing is more, quote, security that they I, when I was in New York recently, they at Times Square, they searched the car every time we pulled in and out of the hotel. And then uh, but I was in Vegas recently for the fight and there was none of that. But there's this thing going around. I don't know if it's true or not, but I got uh, it was tweeted at me by Goxerum and JJ. And it was from a 4chan thread from September. Do you do you want me to read this? Yeah. All right, so you and I have talked about this guy Chertoff before. I don't know if that was if that was on a podcast or what, but but this guy is the one who wants to change our fundamental laws because he feels like we're living in a world that needs a new legal architecture. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so this guy, I hadn't made the connection before until I read this, but now I remember both underwear bombers, one that was arrested on the plane and one that was arrested in Yemen. The second one is absolutely proven he was in military intelligence. The first one was also a false flag. Uh, it's a long story, but if you just look up that uh, underwear bomber, a fellow passenger saw him being escorted onto the plane by guys in suits, with a, and he did not have a passport. <laughs> Yeah, and then right after this guy uh, did that, right after all the airports, certainly every airport I've been in since then, switched from the kind of archway metal detector to the big round capsule that you step in, put your hands up, it it rotates around you. If you see the real raw pictures that the the guys get, it's you are naked. I mean naked i have no idea how it just gets through clothes and shows your flesh but it does and those went everywhere and i remember at the time reading that this guy Chernoff, who i didn't know who he was at the time had this major security interest uh investment in that security company so here's a quote uh from a guy named john so i have no idea but when i looked at the chat it did seem embedded in this september timeline which is before the vegas thing happened but, you know, it's hard to know what to believe. But it says, if they're, I, I didn't read the first sentence, but if their plan is successful, state of Nevada will pass a law in the future. If their plan is successful, the state of Nevada will pass a law in the future, making all casinos have mandatory metal detectors and backscatter machines. Maybe that's the turn off thing. Soon after, a federal law will be passed to put these machines in universities, high schools, federal buildings, you name it. I believe that. 
OSI Systems and Chertoff are the main producers of these machines. Sometime around 2020, Chertoff and OSI will merge into a single company. After they merge, the owners will sell off all their stock and make billions in profit. I mean, the only way he would know that particular date or whatever is if he saw a business plan. Uh, Mr. Chertoff has been in contact with Sheldon Adelson. Mr. Adelson will become a huge sponsor of these machines, and he will be the first to put them in his casinos when the law passes. This is my last message for now. Don't expect me to return anytime soon. You know, that seems like a weird setup, but I believe what he's saying. You know, that seems to be what's happening. I did see that story. A lot of people were saying, oh, so-and-so predicted it was going to happen. And then you read his prediction, and these people who – quote unquote, predict things are going to happen. They're not. So here's what they do. They make a general prediction that just about anybody who pays attention can speculate about. And then they say it might happen around here or there or whatever. And then when it happens, people, they attribute more to it than I think. Like Alex Jones does this a lot. He'll be like, they're going to do whatever. It's going to be a false flag. They're going to target whatever. And then after it happens, he, he acts like he was more specific than he really was. Yeah. There's a lot uh, of that stuff. Like, actually, Alex Jones in particular in the Boston Marathon bombing did come out early in the week as it was unfolding, saying on Friday they're going to find a young guy, go into his apartment, find bomb-making equipment, uh, and he's going to be a white supremacist guy. This was a long time ago. It, I think it was supposed to be like a – yeah, and this was in 2012 or 2013 – and the guy, and on Friday, they did apprehend, I guess, Jahar Sanayev, who was a young man, and there were bomb-making things inside, but it wasn't like a white supremacist guy. Now, maybe they had a bunch of patsies lined up. I don't know. But yeah. there was definitely some truth to his prediction, but there was also some not truth. And another thing you can do, and so however many false flags or whatever there have been, and he had this one item, maybe one in ten, he gets right. Another thing you can do is if you – you could, I mean, there's just millions, billions, trillions of things on the internet. If you're looking for it, you could probably find it. I mean, if it's more specific, I don't know, but, and you could also make a lot of different predictions like hashtag, you know, oh, university yeah. scanners, you know, hashtag, if you had a thousand of those and two of them were correct, you'd say, look, I predicted it. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely insight there. The person and who's right. That, I mean, that's they, for sure yeah. going to happen. I think he's absolutely right. That's going to happen. Now, did this guy do it for that reason? Did Chertoff make this thing happen? He just looks so evil. Like that look on his. He looks like a skeleton. He just needs to gain weight. He really does. <laughs> he looks like a Halloween he costume. Looks yes. We should get Chertoff masks. Like they used to have Obama <laughs> masks. They should have a Chertoff mask. Right. That's the only day of the year where he like looks right. <laughs> It's like, nice makeup job. What makeup? <laughs> That's my face. <laughs> I'm telling you, I thought his photo was photoshopped. He kind of looks like Burns from The Simpsons, doesn't he? A little bit, yeah. Burns looks way healthier. <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously. Oh, I do have something else. You want to hear my liberty? Yeah, but let me ask you this first. Did you hear the sheriff saying that pretty much he believes that the shooter had help? Oh, yes. Corey emailed me that. And that's weird because that Wall Street Journal article about YouTube said that that was debunked. Interesting. Yeah, it is. There was another interesting article from BuzzFeed, the website that published the Trump P dossier, where they claimed to have debunked 20 of the conspiracy theories associated with the shooting. One of the ones that they said that they debunked was 
the one about the woman who was warning people that they were going to die and was then escorted out. And they made the assertion in the article. They said, no, there was not a woman warning people that they were going to die who was escorted out. And the only evidence that they provided was that the CEO of the company, of the security firm that worked the event, said, that's a false story. Even though there's an interview of a girl saying that she saw it. So we're, we're supposed to just take this guy's word over it. That's all of their evidence. As, as though he wouldn't lie if this were true. I mean, if it's true, I'm not saying that it is. It could be a crazy woman for all we know. There could be a plenty of other explanations for why this might have happened. Maybe the girl was lying. But if it were true, this guy is not going to be like, oh, yeah, we ignored the woman who was warning us about the event before it happened. He has all the incentive in the world to lie. And that's the only evidence BuzzFeed has to debunk that claim. Yeah, but it's popped up enough. It just depends on how many layers of the onion That's you true. want to feel. You know, it's popped up enough that I – it's just – there's a lot of these alt-right guys too where their YouTube videos, their their Twitter – where all of a sudden just like pop up and they're – it was like Jade Helm was like that, just popped up. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? If I hear it twice in a minute – you're, it's getting pushed, <laughs> you know, it's getting pushed yeah. to make you think that it's one level below the surface. Well, that one, this one was because it was an interview that, that was going on like immediately after it was a local station that interviewed the girl. So a lot of people saw it. They it was it. so weird, though. Her expression, first of all, it was promoted in England. Both of the links I got were two different English sources. And she used a weird phrase. And I'm telling you. When I hear something I had never heard before, yeah. that's a flag. She said they were both short five footers, like five, 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 six. I have what country do they use that expression? Because that exact expression, a yeah. short five footer. I've heard phrases like that before. My nieces talk like that. Baseball coaches talk like that. No, but I mean, have you ever heard that phrase before? I'm sure that I have. I can't recall a specific moment right now, but my nieces talk like that with their friends all the time they use that type of language and that girl she's a little bit older than my nieces but they're still kind of in the same generation and coaches basketball coaches baseball coaches when they're talking about athletes and stuff like that i i think i get what you're saying about the language standing out when it's unique language that's that's not unique to the culture that seems like it's strange i think that's actually a really interesting point but that that phrase to me is it it didn't stand out as out of place to me. So let's but actually there... solicit comments. I want, I don't know where is the best place to get comments. Cause I see them on my YouTube account, but my YouTube account is not where most people listen to this podcast. I guess the show notes, when we post this show on propaganda report daily.com, people can comment in the comment section. Have you ever heard people use the phrase? He's a short five footer before. I believe that's what it was. Maybe I'll find the video or try and find the video if it's still up and put it in the show notes. Yeah, let us know if that type of language stood out of place to you or whatever. Whatever you think about the whole shooting incident, what uh, you know, what contradictions you noticed or what questions came to mind as you watched the coverage of the shooting. So I had one more thing. Can I tell you? Go ahead. Uh, I've talked about this before, and here is another example this guy's dead. I mentioned it earlier, but this guy's dead. We're never going to know what he did, how he did it, if he did it, if there was somebody else who did it, 
uh, we'll never know if the cops just felt like they could not solve the larger crime, but that's okay because this guy's dead and it's never going to go to trial. I really feel like it's an important part of criminal justice that there never be an untried crime. All crimes should be tried. Real crimes, I'm talking violent crimes, should be tried. There should be no plea bargains, nothing. And if it overtaxes the system, then eliminate the 90% of the laws that are unjust anyway, that have nothing to do with anything. Stop arresting prostitutes and just... Who are they, they going to have sex with if they don't arrest prostitutes? <laughs> if they don't arrest prostitutes. And how are they going to get their coke if they don't arrest the drug dealer? <laughs> so... So what they should for this guy, he need this needs there needs to be posthumous trials in a public forum so you can say, okay, we know this guy did it. This is how he should have an advocate um, selected by his family, uh, paid for by his family if you want, like a private attorney or whatever. If not, a public defender. I mean, he's got millions. He can pay for yeah. that in the state. They should. It, it should have to be done. Like the guy in Dallas, they the building that was blown up was nowhere near where they said it was and uh, the original reports were three guys triangulating so they so even if the official narrative is basically right but there were three guys which was initial reports then two guys are just out there at large so uh i had somebody inside the boston marathon bombing like the wife of the guy who got shot six times in the head and in, in Florida, call me. Wait, did you say somebody got shot in the head six times? Oh, yeah, by an FBI guy who said they were defending themselves against him, and he was armed with, like, a broom. (laughs) You know, something ridiculous. So she said that that I think this Sarnayev thing was a great big setup, but she simply said, well, they don't really know who did it, and they're just going to pin it on these guys because they can. And that's why they're not getting a fair trial or whatever. I didn't actually buy her story. I think she was, I don't know what, I don't really know what was going on with that. But I'm just saying, even if you are not as far down the rabbit hole as I am, it it encourages cops to say the guy killed himself or to actually kill him or to say it was only one guy when there's really more than one guy. If they know they're never going to have to prove this guy did it. So if the guy didn't do it yeah. and it's proven he didn't commit suicide, then maybe you're going to find out, you know, maybe you can clean up some bad practices. You don't want conflicts of interest. I just, I really feel like these things get reported in the newspaper. You're told all this stuff and it never gets adjudicated. And I know that, that these stories are absolutely full of inconsistencies, if not outright lies. So, so you're going to make massive legislation that's going to change our way of life. And we don't even know what the real story is. I don't. I'm, I think if you ever run for office, that would be an excellent platform to run on. Oh, I'm an anarchist. I can't run. <laughs> yeah, that too. You could say that at the end of every speech. You go, oh, and everybody would go crazy. They'd be like, yeah. <laughs> but I have to resign after the speech because I'm an anarchist. <laughs> All right, I got one more thing, then we can get out of here. Hillary Clinton, as you know, has been making the rounds, and I think I've got it. I think I. I think I got what you have to do. In order to get Hillary Clinton on your show is you have to promise her that the whole time you are going to do nothing but kiss her ass. Okay. Remember I told you Stephen Colbert gave her a personal standing ovation? Yes, yes. Well, she was on uh, Jimmy Fallon last night or a couple nights ago or whatever, and they did like a five-minute bit 
where Fallon was like, I have all these female writers that really want to write a letter to you. And the bit was that the writers all came out to Fallon's desk and in front of Hillary, they wrote her a personal letter, basically campaign slogan like letters to Hillary, which is like, I was with her. I'm still with her. She won the votes anyway. She's the most popular. It was just all a bunch of pandering. It was disgusting. I would play the whole thing if it wasn't so long. But instead, I'm just going to play the last person they brought out to write her a personal letter. And the last person they brought out was Miley Cyrus. Uh, Hillary, we also have uh, someone else who wants to thank you. Uh, This is fantastic, yeah. Thank you, Thank you, Hillary, for being a constant beacon of strength, hope, and determination for me and millions of other young women. You've been a role model and an inspiration and a voice of reason in uncertain times. I could go on and on, but I'd like to get right to the point. Can I give you a hug? Yes! That was real? Yeah, that was real. She's crying the whole time. This is Miley Cyrus who rode the wrecking ball naked, right? With her naked. Yeah. Yeah. She got that from Hillary Clinton. It's just so unsanitary. Hillary Clinton inspired her to do that. She said it doesn't matter how dirty that wrecking ball is. If it's going to get you to the top, you ride it. (laughs) I rode Bill Clinton, that wrecking ball to the top. Ah, that's so true. Hillary had her attractive time period. She was hot back in the, what, 20s or 30s? I don't know if I would say she was She wasn't bad looking. She was in law school. I don't know. No makeup and the long hair and the polyester pants. I just feel like. <laughs> well, you know, I guess it was a different style back then. But I guess we should wrap it up. Thank you for a great show. And if you're listening and you enjoyed the show, go leave us a review. Tell us what you think. iTunes, go to propagandareport.com. Click on the iTunes Apple button. Click on the Google button tell your friends about it i do think people should it would be fun to maybe read some comments from the show so if you go to propagandareportdaily.com to this episode uh which will probably be what episode 71 maybe 71 yeah and just write the comments and we'll we'll read some on the air on the next podcast it'll be like taking calls all right wish me a safe trip as i fly have safe i just said have safe Have safe. See you next time.